Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. We are on Kingdom Manifesto, the Beatitudes, I believe it's week six. And if you're watching from home, we know that YouTube did not work. Would you believe it that we tested it three times before the service each time it worked? And then when we actually had to rely on the technology, it didn't work. So uh, thank you for switching over to Facebook. Hopefully we'll get it figured out for next week. But as we go into this uh, sixth week of the Beatitudes, um, this series is really about the manifesto that Jesus is proclaiming about his kingdom and how the kingdoms of the world work, and how the cultures of the world work, but then how the kingdom of God works. And really, it is a very different way that the kingdom of Jesus works from the nations and the countries and the cultures of this world. And Jesus has a message about the heart today. As we go to Matthew 5, 8, Jesus gives us the next blessing that says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Uh, Jesus has a message that isn't always jive with the culture's message about our hearts. It doesn't always line up with what the kingdoms of this world say about our heart. In fact, Jesus' message about the heart reminds me uh, of a woman named Natalia and her message. Natalia was a sign language interpreter in the Ukraine, and she worked for the state-run television station. She worked for the government's TV station in the Ukraine, and she was a sign language interpreter. If you know how that works on the screen, where someone is just down in the corner of the screen giving sign language to those who are watching that are deaf, and that's one of the things that she did. She was a sign language interpreter during the 2004 elections in the Ukraine. Now, there was a government candidate that the government wanted to run for president and wanted to run and win. And then there was a challenger, uh, someone who many of the people in the Ukraine wanted to win. And on the day of the election, the polls happened at the, 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 the exit polls where people walk out and they say who they voted for. And it became clear that this challenger, not the government's candidate, but this challenger was ahead in the race. And it seemed like he was going to win, except there was some fraud and tampering that happened by the government to make sure that their candidate won. Now, on the state-run television station that Natalia worked for, the news came on and the newscasters falsely said, the government's candidate has won. The challenger has been defeated, which wasn't true. But there Natalia sat in the, in the corner of the screen, I think we actually have a picture of it, and she knew the truth. And though there was these messages about how the government's candidate had won and the challenger had lost, she signed a message of her own to all the deaf people in the Ukraine. And while the, the, the newscaster said wrongly that the government's candidate won, here's what she signed. I am addressing all the deaf citizens of Ukraine. Don't believe what they say. They are lying. And I am ashamed to translate these lies. The challenger, or Yushchenko, is our president. Right there on the screen. Now, all the deaf people that were watching in the Ukraine got the message. 
that something had happened in the election. They got Natalia's message through her signing, and they began to text each other and spread the message. Well, from them, reporters got wind of what was happening in the country. And after the reporters got wind, crowds began to gather. And after crowds began to gather, there were protests. And as the protests grew, the government was forced to redo the election in what is commonly called today the Orange Revolution. Now, I know that we have an election in a couple weeks, and so you're going, John, are you saying something about our election? No, not at all. I hope that we have a just and fair election. Natalia's message on election day in 2004 reminds me of the messages that our culture tells us about our own hearts. It reminds me of the messages that our culture tells us about our own hearts because the messages that we got get about our hearts are these. Do what makes your heart happy, no matter what it is. Do what makes your heart happy, no matter was it what it is. Go after what your heart wants. And if you ask people, if you were to poll people, what they would get at is, blessed are those who follow their heart. That's the mantra of our culture, right? That's what decisively people say, blessed are those who follow their heart. We see that in advertisements. We're told that if we have this product, it'll, it'll give us the status, and then we'll have a different life, and we'll be happy. So follow your heart. There are many books that are coming out now that are talking about how to have a heart that's free and untamed. And even our heart itself, the heart tells us, I will be happy if you give me what I want. I think it was Woody Allen that said, the heart wants what it wants. And though those messages are constantly flashed at us, they often go unchallenged in our culture except by Jesus, who figuratively is on the side of our cultural message board. We hear, blessed are those who follow our heart. But Jesus is over there speaking to us, just on the side, just like Natalia was signing. Jesus is saying to us, I am addressing all the citizens of God's kingdom. Don't believe what they say about the heart. Here's my message. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. They will see God. We hope you're inspired by God's word. What have you learned so far? As you listen, pray about applying it to your life. Let's continue in God's word. What is Jesus getting at? Well, the heart is the deepest part of who we are. We looked at this a couple weeks ago when we went through uh, Proverbs and we talked about the heart. Uh, Below our emotions, below our cognition is the heart. Well, some people say, I'm I'm not a heart person, I'm more of a head person. Even your head is connected to your heart. The heart is the deepest part of what of who we are. It is the center of everything. And when we talk about purity of heart or being pure in heart, we might think of water that has no dirt in it. Because once you mix dirt and water, it's no longer pure and you have mud. We might think of gold. That's 100% gold. Because once you combine gold with something else, it's no longer pure gold. But Jesus talks about a heart that is pure. It has nothing else mixed in with it at all. 
God himself is pure. And when the Bible talks about God being pure, what that means is there is not one hint of evil in God. He is 100% pure. There is no evil in God. And so this beatitude kind of comes from this psalm in the Old Testament, Psalm 24, where it says, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may go to the temple of the Lord to approach him and worship the pure God? Who may stand in his holy place? Next slide says, the one who has clean hands and a what? A pure heart. Who has not appealed to what is false and who has not sworn deceitfully. So the one who can approach a pure God is the one who has a pure heart. Now, if you have been paying attention at all in the Beatitudes, it feels a little bit like Jesus just pulled one over on us. Because we were there when Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, because we realize that we have nothing to offer God. We were there when Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, because we see our sin and we realize that we fall short of the glory of God. We were there when he said, blessed are the meek, because as we've been humbled before before God, our spirit gets humbled before others. We were there when Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy, because we know because of our sins, we need mercy. But when he says, blessed are the pure in heart, it feels like, oh no, now we have to muster something up. We have to have some sort of performance before God, or we have to find some sort of perfection if we are going to approach a perfect God. But that's not what Jesus means at all. That's not what Jesus means at all. Jesus isn't pushing us to muster up something that we don't even have our ability to muster up. See, being pure in heart starts with spiritual poverty, not spiritual performance. Jesus is building on the other Beatitudes that we've already went through. See, a pure heart recognizes its own moral bankruptcy. A pure heart realizes that it is spiritually impoverished. Jeremiah 17 tells us about our own hearts, saying, The heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? What Jeremiah is getting at is there's something in our hearts that even says, I'm pure. My motives are are pure. But the heart deceives itself. And so part of being pure in heart, this sounds counterintuitive, is recognizing that you're impure of heart. Part of moving towards purity of heart is recognizing that you're impure of heart. The pure heart recognizes that it is spiritually needy for God's grace. The pure heart sees the mixture of sin in it and mourns over it. The pure heart is humbled before God and meek before others. The pure heart hungers and thirsts for the righteousness that it cannot produce on its own. The pure heart loves God's mercy because it it knows it needs God's mercy. A pure heart starts with spiritual poverty, not spiritual performance. But a pure heart is about devotion, not perfection. Purity of heart is about devotion, not perfection. Devotion has to do with our loyalties, a single-minded love, being captured and having the attention of just one thing. We live in a time of spiritual FOMO. 
spiritual fear of missing out. And our hearts are constantly latching on to things so that our loyalties are divided, so that we're distracted in all the areas of our hearts, so that we often are disloyal. And you say, well, Pastor John, I'm not perfect. My heart is not perfect. But remember, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about spiritual perfection. We're talking about spiritual devotion, what your heart loves. See, religious people can actually be okay on the outside. They can follow the rules and yet have an impure heart because they don't love the God who makes the rules. And so we're not talking about being perfect. We're talking about being devoted. And that's exactly what we're called to be to Jesus. Look what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. He says, But I fear that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your minds may be seduced from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Paul is challenging us and our hearts to ask the question, are you his? Are you his? That's a hard question to to weasel around. I didn't ask you if you were obeying perfectly. I asked you, are you his? Is your heart heart his? Does it belong to him with a a single-minded loyalty? Is it captured by the love of Jesus? Are you seeing yourself growing in obedience and loving to obey him? Growing in faith, discerning more and more the truth of who Jesus is, and, and growing in repentance. That's what it means to be devoted to him. Or are you holding out? Is your heart having emotional affairs with others besides Jesus? Do you have a greater allegiance besides God? That, that's what it's getting at when it talks about being pure in heart. Do you love him? Are you his? Or do you love something more than him? A pure heart is about spiritual devotion, not perfection. But here's the good news of the gospel. It's not through trying to be perfect that we have a pure heart. It's through the transformative power of the good news of Jesus that our hearts become pure and grow in purity. A pure heart forms through gospel transformation, not outwardly conforming to religion, but rather an inner transformation that happens as the good news of Jesus touches us. The good news of Jesus is that Jesus came, he died for sinners, he went to the cross, he shed his blood, he defeated death, By rising from the dead, he ascended to heaven at the right hand of God. He sends the Holy Spirit to empower us, and he tells us one day he will return and make all things new. And when you turn away from running your life, when you confess your sin and you turn to Jesus, all your sins are forgiven. You become part of the family of God. You're restored and reconciled to an almighty, holy God, and he cleanses your impure heart. He cleanses your impure heart. In fact, this is what Christianity really is about. This isn't isn't like a side issue. It comes with our faith. This is what the great prophet Ezekiel talked about hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus even came. Let's look at Ezekiel 36. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. 
And then after Jesus came, the apostle Peter wrote this in 1 Peter 1, 22, that we have been purified. You have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth. The truth being the gospel that once we've repented and believed and trusted in Christ, we have been purified. So that we find this heart of ours that we're so used to being impure has new loves. It has more sincere motives. It has this desire for God and a fascination with him that we didn't create. That we want to love him. We desire to trust him. We want to be loyal and we want to obey. Through the gospel, our hearts do a 180. And the heart finds that it says something different than the messages of this world. The heart has said, I want what I want, give it to me. But now through the spiritual miracle, through the gospel, the heart finds that it starts to say, I want God more than I want what I want. It's quite bizarre once it happens to you. And while that happens one time in our life, it is an ongoing transformation because if you are honest, you will find that you, even though your heart has been changed and done a 180 towards God, you will still see that there are impurities lingering, that you are divided, that you are still disloyal, that you are often distracted from God. I saw this the other day in my own life. I was talking with a friend who was a pastor and we were talking about one of the temptations for pastors. And he was talking about one of the temptations for pastors being this sort of desire for God to give us this picturesque, charmed life where everything kind of goes well and all the people in the church love you and like there's really no problems and you become an influencer on social media and then you're asked to speak at conferences and whenever there's an important conversation about cultural or church stuff, you're invited to the table to speak about that conversation. And as he talked about that temptation, there was something in my heart that went, oh, that's it. If I could just get that, then I would be happy. Then there's Jesus on the side of that cultural message saying, no, don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie. It's not blessed are those who follow their heart that are happy. Rather, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. And in that moment, I had to recognize that my own heart still had impurities lingering in it that wanted other things besides God. The strange thing is, as we find our hearts purifying, we will see more of Christ. But as we see more of Christ, we will see more impurities in our heart. But that should move us towards God more and more and more. James 4, 7 through 8 puts it this way. James says, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That is to say, when you recognize your disloyalty, your, your division, that you're disobedient or you're distracted, the way forward, the way towards purification is to move towards God. 
Without a pure heart, you can't see God, but the way to purify your heart is to get near to God. That is the way the transformation of the gospel changes what we love and our deepest motives so that we're not pretending we like God. We actually love him. What about you? What about you? What pictures or versions of life do you want? Do you find yourself daydreaming about? And even if you were honest, you want more than God. What versions or pictures of life do you want more than God? Where have you allowed hypocrisy to grow in your own life so that what's outside is just a Uh, smoke and shadows for what's really happening inside. Where have you allowed hypocrisy to grow? Where have you kept parts of your heart hidden from God? Those are areas to dive in and really understand and grow in purity of heart. But here's the thing. If you're a Christian, you now have an impurity detector in your pure heart. There's something that even as I ask those questions, your mind and your heart begins to surge and an alarm goes off called conviction because the Holy Spirit lives in you. And you go, I don't like that I love that thing more than God. And I want that love out of my life because I want to love God more. See, friends, our hearts are constantly drawn away from God. And that's why James uses... Such strong language, draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. No matter how many times we come to him with these impure motives or these things that we love more than him, we find that he meets us in that. And he changes us and makes us more like him. And so when you hear the messages of the culture, go after what your heart wants. Blessed are those who follow their heart. First of all, realize there's no promise. Blessed are those who follow their heart because blank. Blessed are those who go after what their heart wants for. There's no promise. Now, maybe we might say, follow your heart because it will make you happy, but I would beg to differ. I would challenge that statement. Never before in in the history of the world has a culture been so focused on being happy. Never before has a culture been this focused on everyone pursuing their own happiness. And our culture is miserable. We are miserable. Miserable pursuing this, this dream that has no real promise. Follow your heart. And yet more books are being written about Uh, how to be happy than any time else in the history of the world. And as we look at this moment, even before coronavirus, rightly so, mental health had become uh, prime and center in our cultural narrative. We needed to focus on that because so many of us are unhappy because we're following this promise that doesn't really have a promise. And so as the culture says to us, blessed are those who follow their heart. Jesus says, blessed are those who are pure in heart. And then he gives us a promise. Blessed are those who are pure in heart for they will, they will, not they might, they will see God. 
They will see God. As we allow our hearts to be purified at the, our conversion to Jesus through the gospel, and as we grow in purity, we will begin to see God more and more in our lives. We will begin to see his goodness. We will begin to see him working in ways that we could not understand or manufacture ourselves. We will begin to see him working in the world and working in the church and becoming more and more aware And as we grow in purity, as we become more like God, we'll become more aware of him and what he's doing in our lives. Ray Ortland says it this way, the purer our hearts become, the more we will see of God in this life. The more our hearts are focused on God and absorbed with him, concentrated on his being, freed from distractions, sincere, single, the more we will see him. Even the adverse circumstances of life seem to sharpen our vision of God. Even the adverse circumstances of life seem to sharpen our vision of God. That's when you really know if you're growing in purity of heart. When God doesn't give you what you want and you still love him and you still want to follow him and you still know that he's present and you still trust him. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God in their lives in this life, but also face to face in the life to come. The day that we meet the king face to face, and he wipes every tear from our eyes, and he recreates the world, and we live with him forever, no longer living by faith, but seeing his face in a world where there is no sin or pain or brokenness, and our hearts are pure like his is. John writes in 1 John 3, 2, Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be when Christ returns has not yet been revealed. But we know that when he, when Jesus appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. The moment that we see Jesus Christ, it will be so overwhelming that he will transform us so that our character is like his, so that the rest of the impurities that are in there are siphoned out and we become pure with the character of Jesus for all of eternity. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God now and forever. Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcdhh.com. We'll see you next week.